right, so start off with something really light, like the cycle of sin. Let's start off with that. Just the cycle of sin this morning. We're going to be in Judges chapter 3, if you want to turn there. Bryce, would you mind turning me down like a little, it's a little hot. A little, thank you. Thank you. Is that better? Good. Um, when I was a kid, I think if you would have asked my mom and dad, what's Matt like? They probably would have said something along the lines of, he's a nice kid, but when he gets angry, our family doesn't go near him. I was an explosive child. I would uh, beat up on my older brother quite a bit. If you knew my older brother, who's like 6'1", 6'2", a lot bigger, a lot taller than I am. I'm not 6'2". I don't know if you can tell that or not. But I would take out a lot of aggression on him. When I started following Jesus in junior high and high school, I had a lot of apologies to make to my family. And there was this cycle that on the outside, it looked like I was just really angry. But if you looked internally as a kid, what was going on underneath the surface was I was really anxious. I was a really anxious kid. And even to this day, I struggle, uh, my wife will tell you, on, I'm like, kind of like a duck where like on the surface, I look super chill. Just, I got it handled, no big deal. But under the surface, there's a lot of this going on. Just a lot of activity internally. And even this last week, um, I was able to go on a, like a brief retreat. Last Sunday night after the Super Bowl, I drove up to Strawberry and uh, woke up, played my guitar for a little bit, sang and worshiped, uh, spent some time in the Word, and went into town for breakfast, and I tried to get back up to my house in Strawberry, and my car got stuck, and I didn't have service on my phone, and I was freaking out. <laughs> I was like, okay, all right, here we go. So I did another run at it, and I made it up the second time. I quickly uh, called Mike and Diana, and I'm, I don't know if you guys could tell, I was freaking out on the phone. I'm like, I'm, what do you need me to do? I'm throwing everything in the car. I'm driving back to Mesa where there is no snow. And I mean, it was like thick. It was really thick. Coming down the hill, I had my emergency brake on and my car was just doing this down the hill. It was freaky. I mean, it doesn't matter if you have four-wheel drive when there's ice on the ground. And unlike a lot of probably native Arizonans, I've driven in snow a lot, but because I've driven in it, you know you're not in control. You know, like when you're from the Midwest and you start sliding, you're kind of like, I'm in the hands of the Lord right now. I don't know what's going to happen, but it's probably not going to be good. I made it back. I didn't actually crash my car into a ditch, um, so that's great. And uh, if you can tell this morning, I, when I get really anxious, I develop cold sores. So if you're ever wondering how I'm really doing, if I have a cold sore, you're like, Matt was stressed this week. That was the moment that I got a cold sore right there. And for me, it's been a lifetime cycle of not trying to hide my anxiety because I feel like that's what I tried to do as a kid and it made it worse. That's how I became so explosive. But the cycle for me as a follower of Jesus has begun to, no, I am anxious. That's okay. I can be anxious with God and I can bring my anxiety before him and I don't have to hide it and I don't have to like be mature enough not to have it because I think sometimes we think that of like, no, I should be past that cycle of things right now. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's not anxiety. Maybe it's control. Maybe you really like to have control over things. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's just the way you are in a relationship and you feel caught in a cycle. The book of Judges that we're going to talk about today is all about the cycle. 
It's all about how we get in these ruts, and a lot of times it goes from pretty okay to not good to really bad to worse. And so before we jump into the text, I want you to watch this video that just describes that cycle. So let's watch this together. So remember, after Joshua led the tribes of Israel into the Promised Land, he called them to be faithful to their covenant with God by obeying the commands of the Torah. And if they do this, they will show all the other nations what God is like. So Judges begins with the death of Joshua and basically tells the story of Israel's total failure. The book's name comes from the type of leaders Israel had in this period. Before they had any kings, the tribes were all governed by these judges. Now, don't think of a courtroom. These were regional political military leaders, more like a tribal chieftain. And you need to be warned, the book of Judges is very disturbing and violent. It tells the tragic tale of Israel's moral corruption, of its bad leadership, and basically how they become no different than the Canaanites. But this sad story is also meant to generate hope for the future. And you can see this in how the book's designed. There's a large introduction that sets the stage for Israel's failure as they don't drive out the remaining Canaanites. Then the large main section of the book has stories about the growing corruption of Israel's judges. And the progression here shows how Israel's leaders go from pretty good to okay to bad to worse. The concluding section is really disturbing and shows the corruption of the people of Israel as a whole. So let's dive in, and we can explore each part a bit more. Let's dive in. Judges 3, verse 7, if you're following along. It says, The Israelites did what was evil in the Lord's sight. They fought about the Lord their God. They served, sorry, they forgot, not fought. They forgot about the Lord their God. They served images of Baal and the Asherah poles. Then the Lord burned with anger against Israel. He turned them over to King Kushan and Aram, and the Israelites served Kushan for eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, the Lord raised up a rescuer for them to save them. His name was Othniel, the son of Caleb's younger brother, Kenaz. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he became Israel's judge. He went to war against King Kushan of Aram, and the Lord gave Othniel victory over him. So there was peace in the land for 40 years, and then Othniel, son of Kenaz, died. If you're wondering how I'm pronouncing those names, I am totally faking it. All right, I'm just going for it. If you ever come across those names in the Bible, just fake it till you make it. All right, so let me pray, and then we're going to dive into this really disturbing book. All right, Father, thank you for the opportunity to open up your living and active word, and I simply ask that you would speak to our hearts this morning by your Holy Spirit, that we would be a people, a community of faith that realizes that you are the king, you are worth crying out to, you will save us. May we be a people that does not stay silent, but continues to cry out for your salvation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so in these, I chose these verses, by the way. I spent, no joke, a solid three days trying to figure out what part of this book I was going to talk about this morning because it's really, there's a lot of good stuff in here, a lot of famous stories. You guys know the story of Deborah, one of the first female strong leaders in Scripture. She's in here. She's got an incredible song if you want to read that later. There's uh, one of the judges, he he spears a guy through the stomach. The guy is so fat, the spear gets lost 
That's a pretty interesting story. The story of Samson, you guys all know the story of Samson and his hair, strength, all that stuff. That's in the book of Judges. But what's interesting to me is this cycle. That's what caught my attention. The more I prayed through, God, what do you want to say to our community this morning, to us? This, this cycle kept coming up over and over and again. Actually, six different times, like I looked in chapter 3, 4, 6, 12, and chapter 13, the first like 13 chapters are all just describing this cycle. And here's the cycle, all right? You see it right here. They do what's evil in the Lord's sight. So they do the opposite of the things that God asked them to do. So they're sinning on purpose. They forget God. They become amnesia people we, like us. If you read the chapter before Judges 2, it says, A generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord. They did not remember the mighty things that God had done. How similar is that story to our story on a weekly basis? How forgetful of a people, or maybe not even forgetful, but how much, how much distraction flows through our minds and our hearts every single day. And this, I'm not trying to point fingers at you. I'm like a part of this whole thing. But how distracted can we be? And how often do we do evil without even considering like, God, is this, is this what you want me to do? Is this just what I want to do when I want to do it? And so there's this pattern of people do, do evil in the Lord's sight. They forget about God. They serve other, other gods. Number two, God sends nations. So he sends a consequence, let's call it. There's always a consequence to our sin. And number three, the consequence is so severe for Israel that they end up crying out for help. Help us. Now, you see that six different times in this book of Judges. They cry out, God, save us. The fourth part of the cycle is God does. He raises up what's called a judge or a deliverer, one of those tribal chieftains. They save Israel. And number five, the land and the people then experience rest. And then there's a season, sometimes it's 40 years, right? Sometimes it's 20 years, sometimes it's 10 years. It kind of depends on how long it takes the people to start the cycle over again. And as I read that, I kept thinking about like what I mentioned before I, at the beginning of the sermon, my cycles of anxiety, but also what are our cycles that we dip into? Because some of us, we're caught in certain cycles and we don't know how to get out of our cycle. And it could be depression, and it could be loneliness, and it could be insecurities, and it could be we're a little more concerned about finances than we should be. It could be that we just haven't been able to develop the kind of friendships that we want. But there is a cycle in all of us. I know there is. There's a cyclical pattern to life. And so how do we get out of those? What does that look like? In the New Testament, if I can just read this to you, this is the book of James. Um, if you don't know James, he was one of the early church leaders in Jerusalem and he was the half-brother of Jesus. I say half-brother because they shared the same mom, but obviously not the same dad. All right, so God, in James 1, verse 12, it says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Patiently endure. To me, that just means people who are faithful over the long haul, who don't give up despite the obstacles they face. They patiently endure testing and temptation, meaning they don't get in the cycle, right? Afterward, they will receive a crown of life that God has promised to them, to those who love him. And remember, when you're being tempted, don't say God is tempting me. 
He's pretty black and white with that. I'm imagining that there were people in Jerusalem raising their hand in church or talking about, why, why does God keep tempting me? And James wanted to make it black and white very clear. No, God is not tempting you. God is never tempted to do wrong. He never tempts anyone to do wrong. Temptation, this is really important for us. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Do you see the cycle there? We are drawn away from God, not by God himself. He's not pushing us away. It is by our own desires. It's by what I would call a disoriented heart, a heart that is centered on something other than God. And like the Israelites, they did evil. Um, At the end of the book of Judges, it says, the people of Israel forgot God and they did what was good in their own eyes. They became their own king, essentially. And so my question for us this morning is just to wrestle with personally and communally, who is your king in your life? Who is your judge? Who do you go to when you're confused or when you're stressed or when you have a huge issue and you're going through pain and you're walking through what the Psalms calls the valley of the shadow of death? Who do you run to first? Most of us, if we're honest, I think we run to a lot of scrolling, distraction. We run to, well, let's go do something fun. Let's go distract ourselves. We're very much in an entertainment-type culture. Let me run to this hobby. I know a lot of guys who run to golf, a lot of women who run to cooking and Etsy and things like that and crafting. Whatever it is for you, I want you to just picture yourself in, in some kind of cycle what is that desire that's driving you away? So, like I said, I dealt with anxiety early on in life, but later in life, I realized that it, it really manifested itself in my marriage with Jen. When we would get into fights, and I would shut down for days, what Jen referred to as my dark place. It's not good. And I was like three days where I just wouldn't talk to her. And I'm a youth pastor at the time. I'm supposed to be super spiritual and like a really good guy, and I'm pretending to be that when I'm at church, and then I'm coming home, and I am just, I mean, I'm just mean. And I didn't realize that a lot of that cycle came from me shutting down and being the king of my own life, and saying things like, God, I need to figure this out, and basically ignoring him and going inside of myself for three days into that darkness and coming out even worse, and basically just apologizing and saying, babe, I'm sorry. And then she would forgive me, and we'd go through that cycle over and over and over again. And I say that to say this. It wasn't one thing that changed that relationship with me and Jen. It was an ongoing relationship with my wife who said, that's not good. It was a friend in my life, my best friend, who said, okay, you can have an hour where you can figure this out, but not three days. Yeah? An hour is okay. You can have an hour to yourself. Three days, that's not good. And so slowly we have worked towards that, and it took a long time. And just like the book of Judges says, it went from okay to not good to really bad to worse. To come out of that, to come out of cycles where we're not enticed but we are patiently enduring, will take time. It will take time. If you're going to actually follow Jesus in your day-to-day life and bring your everyday ordinary life before him, it will take time. Even if you're a part of a great community and you are reading the word every day, there's still going to be moments where you spiral back down 
And your response and my response is to cry out to the king. And I think one of the best psalms to help us do that, and this is my challenge for us today, is what would it look like for the next few days to read Psalm chapter 2? This is a really weird psalm, but I think the psalms are a place that we can run to when we don't really know what to pray. We don't know how to cry out to God. And so we can just read these as our own prayers. Psalm 2 is all about making God king for a people who do not recognize him as king. And so if I can just read parts of this to you, the first part of Psalms 2 says, Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord, against his anointed. Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. So the Psalms chapter 2 is recognizing at the very beginning that there are people, including ourselves, that say sometimes, God, I don't want you to be king. I don't want to be a slave to you. I want to do it on my own. And so it's just recognizing in ourselves there's parts of us that aren't fully surrendered to God. And I think that's really healthy to admit. And then it goes on to say, (laughs) when God hears that, he laughs. He says, in anger he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fiery fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem on my holy mountain. Now this is in the time of David. So this is after the book of Judges, where it's talking about David as king, but it's also talking about a future king. It's also talking about Jesus one day, I've chosen him, and in Jerusalem, he's going to be my king. And if I can skip to the end here, it just says, what joy for those who take refuge in God. One of the things that these cycles of sin bring into our lives is a lack of joy. If you can just look at your last week, two weeks, and notice, do I have a lot of joy right now? Do I have an abundance of joy, or am I lacking joy? Whatever, whatever the case may be, you can pray this psalm, Psalm chapter 2, and reestablish God is king, I am not, and I can rest that he is a good king, and he knows what is good for the next step. This is one of my favorite sayings in following Jesus. You don't have to know the whole path ahead of you to, make, to take the next step of obedience. You don't. You just have to trust that the King of kings and the Lord of lords knows the end of the journey, and so you can just trust him with the next step. And so instead of belaboring this point this morning, I just thought I would give you space, Samson, if you would come back up and play through um, a song. Before we take communion, I just want you to read through Psalm chapter 2. If you don't have it, with you, if for some reason you don't have a Bible, you can just read this in your mind over and over again. What joy for those who take refuge in God. I think that is the answer for coming out of a cycle, is how do we come out of a cycle? We start to take refuge in God as our king in our everyday ordinary life. And so as you soak in that, let me pray, and then whenever you're ready, you guys can go back and take communion the body of Jesus that was broken for us, the blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. Before you do that, let me just pray. God, thank you so much for being our king, but also inviting us into an upward spiral journey. And sometimes it feels like a zigzag, God. It doesn't feel like we're just growing in a straight line, that you're changing us from the inside out quickly. Help us to be patient with ourselves, patiently endure. And 
And I pray that as people soak in Psalm 2 or just think about what joy awaits those who take refuge in you, that you would lift us out of the spiral this morning. And when you're ready, you can go ahead and conclude. Hey, thanks for listening to the Life and Rhythm podcast. If you'd like to know more about Rhythm Community Church, you can go online at rhythm.community. Peace.